If the dead spoke to you, would you listen? Or would you close your senses, tune out the whispers, pretend you couldn't hear? Renowned sculptor Allison Weathers doesn't believe in ghosts, but when a twist of fate leads her to the small mountain town of Dawson Mills, Tennessee, she soon learns that the dead don't always stay silent. Lost Girl by Anne Frances Scott, a paranormal mystery with chilling scenes at the fringe of horror. Available on Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. This is Jason Witter, author, illustrator of Tiny's Vampire and Monsters Eating Ice Cream, and you are listening to Aaron's Horror Show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show Season 3, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We're going to go ahead and talk about movies, TV, and read some fiction. If you want to get hold of the show, you can go ahead and go to Facebook.com, Aaron's Horror Show, or you can go to Twitter.com, Aaron Horror Show, or you can go ahead and send us an email at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com. You can also go ahead and support the show by going to Patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. All right, uh, got some more Orion for you. So, Orion uh, has been uh, experiencing some lives, and, and we realize that he's experiencing them over again. So, uh, you know, there's this one where he's in the Middle Ages and trying to win over a princess, and he uh, he kind of lives that one multiple times, and one where he's in Roman times, and then he also had one in uh, Vietnam, which... Uh, brings us to the next chapter chapter three point star or life three point star i want to let it be known that there were other lives i'm only sharing these three for now and a fourth one a little bit later on because you know they're the lives where i made the most headway on my predicament that i'm in even calling them lives one through four is a bit misleading if I were to label each life 1, 2, etc., and each iteration of each life 1.1, 1.2, 1.3, etc., then some of the lives I've already explained appeared in a different order. You know, uh, for example, meeting the princess in the forest in Gawain's eternal demise happened in life 12. So what's the actual life 2? It was a silly land of these mushroom people, no joke. <laughs> you think uh, a stable boy is a shitty job? They're shittier. Uh, actual Life 3 was where I drove a race cars prone to accidents. <laughs> Stabby was the local medic. 
the the point is is that I've lived lots of lives not all of them are relevant to the story I'm trying to tell you to tell you the story my first life was my actual first life the tournament is life two and Vietnam was life three uh, princess and stabby weren't all of them uh, you know in one capacity or another you know uh, princess was the reward and stabby was the consequence of failure i only mention this now because i plan to write more of my life down one day but i don't know if i'll get more time and you know to be able to do that my lives are coming to an end and i don't know what waits me on the other side this account might be the only record of them this document might be the only thing left of my existence enough of the philosophy back to my favorite subject princesses. By the time I made it to life 3, uh, you know, 542 in reality, my goal was to make it out of the Vietnam jungle with the princess alive. If by some miracle I freed her from the Viet Cong and we avoided ourselves getting killed, then maybe I could go back to the United States with her and buy a house and make 2.5 children. Uh, I heard the average household was uh, 2.5, though how some kid is half a kid, I don't know. Not really sure about that one. I wonder what that meant if, you know, maybe it was conjoined twins? Like, you have one kid and then 1.5 kids because you got this weird conjoined twin thing going on? Anyways, life 3.1 began as it always did. I woke up to a loud explosion next to Hank, the man from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan who is now missing an arm and half his body burnt. This time I tried to go for a medical kit to help Hank, and then a shell hit me. Stabby stabbed me sometime later. In life 3.2, I dodged the shell that, and grabbed the medical kit, but the barracks clapped on top of me, and the person who dug me out of the rubble was, pause for dramatic effect, stabby. In life 3.3, I tried to do CPR on Hank, and I died. Life 3.4, Hank died. And so did I. Life 3.5, Hank died, and so did I. Life 3.6, Hank died, and so did I. I finally got the picture and stopped trying to save Hank. Sorry, buddy. Watching a man's last twitch made me crazy. If my do-over for Life 3 was a couple hours earlier, maybe I could have suggested that Hank sleep in a different bunk or warn the base about the attack, but no matter how many times I got another chance, Hank wouldn't have any. In 3.7, I left him to die and went straight to the exit. I had to remind myself that my do-over was for the princess and nothing else. It didn't mean I shouldn't help where I could, though. Uh, for example, Action Jackson. He stood on the path of a shell and, and would have died if I didn't help. So in every iteration, just before he was about to go to the big army barracks in the sky, I pushed him out of the way. The funny thing was about it is that he never thanked me. He was too shocked by almost dying to say anything before I took off running towards my date with destiny. I couldn't say thank, but Action Jackson would at least be alive because of me. So I was out of the barracks, the princess was in sight, she dragged the same patient, as always, towards the helicopter. I was about to help her when I remembered that we were shot down in Life 3.0. There was another medevac chopper a little further away, so I attempted to convince her to head for that one. Princess, I called out to her and realized my mistake, right as the words left my mouth. What did you call me? She said. Uh, sorry, there's no time. The Viet Cong has overtake this base in a matter of minutes. We should go to that chopper over there. Why not this one? It's closer, she said. I don't have time to explain. I'm asking you to trust me, I said and met her eyes. Man, did I love her eyes. Even though in this life we had just met, she nodded and said, Yeah, okay, let's let's go. 
We turned towards the other chopper and ran. It was shelled before we could make it, and the Viet Cong overtook us. A few hours later, Stabby interrogated me with a dagger. More iterations of trying different tactics only meant more dates with Stabby. Those were the dates I wanted to avoid. In 3.18, I yanked her away from the patient and dragged her in the opposite direction of the choppers. The look she gave me broke my heart, but it was too late to turn back. The Viet Cong were swarming in every direction, and there was no way we could make it out of the base alive. She escaped from my grasp and ran towards the helicopter. It left without me. I attempted to hide out in a pile of rubble. Stabbed me, found me later. By the time I got to 3.42... I had accepted the fact that the copper was destined to crash in the jungle and it was the only way out of the base. Even though I knew somehow in my heart that winning over the princess was my way out of the time loop, I feared that I might be going down the same path as Stabby. How could I justify any of it all if it were just to be reset on the next go around? My worst fear in all of this that if I did win over the princess, we'd live out our lives together. And then when I died an old man years from now, it would start over. And she would forget each moment we had together. How could I not become stabby if I have nothing to look forward to except the same endless loop? Had to remain positive. Once we were in the helicopter, I tried many different ways to convince the pilot that he was flying in the wrong direction. Each time he'd shut me down and tell me to leave the flying to the pilots. Each time, he'd die in the crash. When I made comments like, it's your funeral, I wasn't joking. I even attempted to grab the controls for him, but he pulled a gun. Since guns didn't deter me, I persisted and he shot me. Stabby found me wounded and bleeding at the crash site and ended my torment. No matter how many times I tried to alter the events that led us to the jungle, it didn't work. So I went with it and made sure my seatbelt was on just before we were shot out of the sky. Another odd part of Life 3 was that the same tree branch always impaled me during the crash. It didn't matter where I sat, I woke up in the same place. I thought it was like Hank, something, you know, I could do nothing about. After I escaped the wreckage of the helicopter, I approached the dead man in the water. The princess screamed in the distance just like she had before. The scream was my cue to take off running. Each time I tried something different. In 3.53, I crept to the edge of the clearing and watched from a distance. I waited for them to head back to their base or something, but they didn't budge. Instead, Stabby ordered them to fan out and search for me. They found me and dragged me to my death. In 3.54, I tried the same tactic but hid in a different location, with the same ending. In 3.83, I burst forth from the jungle and punched knocked me out, and Stabby was overhead when I came to. In 3.84, I dodged the blow that took me out. In 3.83, a kick ended the fight and Stabby ended my life. I fought my way through life after life, changing my tactic, altering the time I entered the fray. I modified every small detail, but the fight ended the same way. In 3.1451, I tried diplomacy and reason. I altered the conversation. I attempted to bargain. Stabby was more interested in killing me. Eventually, he got bored with the conversation and stabbed me on sight with no room for talk. I sometimes wonder if he ever got bored of killing me, but he never did. At the same time, it didn't seem like he took pleasure in it either. For Stabby, it was business. He was cold and removed. I felt like an ant on the wrong side of a boot. Worth no further consideration. Keep in mind, while I was going through these iterations, I was living other lives too. Wouldn't always go back to Life 3 right after Life 3. It would happen sometimes, but for the most part, it seemed to be random. When I died in one, there was no pattern to what 
help me guess what which one I'd be in next. I was only illustrating to show you just how long it took me to get to life 3.35401. <laughs> I had to live countless lives before I could make an incremental change to anyone. I was lucky that the princess kept me motivated for most of them, or else I might have ended up a lunatic like Stabby. It was life 3.5401 that I heard her scream. Instead of charging through the jungle after I decided to go in the opposite direction. wasn't out of cowardice affair. I had to fight the core of my being and wanted nothing more than to save her. And I had to fight that urge just to turn the opposite way. My reason for going the other direction was to get myself as far away from Stabby and his minions as possible. I figured if I walked in the exact opposite direction, I could come back and track the princess down later. In one of my lives not featured here, life 5241 to be precise, I was a bounty hunter with a banjo in rural Georgia. Let's just say that I was doling out more than deliverance. Anyways, I would follow somebody for days through the forest. I figured if I could wait outside the grasp of Stabby's minions and then once they thought I had moved on, I could follow their trail. Rather than hide out and wait to follow them, I wouldn't hide at all. I'd just walk away. Stabby would not be expecting that move. If it looked like I'd given up on her, then maybe he'd let his guard down. It would be risky, you know, had my whole life not been a giant reset switch. So I pressed on for the better part of a day, away from where they had captured her. It was late afternoon, and somehow I came back to the same stream, with the same body in it, near the tree, with the downed helicopter. I had a good sense of direction, and had made sure I walked in a straight line. It was highly unlikely that I had circled back, yet here I was. Even so, Stabby's minions didn't find me, so the plan was working. Another scream echoed through the forest, not longer after I arrived back at the scream. It sounded a lot like the first. Curious, I abandoned my plan and went for the scream, just like all the lives before this one. She was in the exact same predicament as I had left her hours earlier. It was like no time had passed. Viet Cong surrounded her and Stabby said, Finally, did you fall asleep? I got lost, I said. The princess looked at both of us and said, Do you two know each other? It's complicated, I said. Great. I knew it was too good to be true. A handsome soldier coming out of nowhere to help me onto that flying death trap. I shouldn't have gotten out of bed this morning. I got caught up in the word handsome, but was quickly reminded of the cold harshness of reality when I was punched in the gut by a Viet Cong soldier. Others were about to join in when Stabby waved them away. Why did you wait this time? He asked. I was lost. I didn't want to tell him the real reason. He could use that knowledge against me in the future. I find it hard to believe, considering how many times you've been here before. Hey, excuse me, Princess said. Mr. Villain Guy, I know you're cheesed off at your partner, but I have a patient that has needs. Stabby raised his hand. The Viet Cong restrained and gagged her. I made a lunge for Stabby. Before we could react, we were on the ground. This was the closest I've ever gotten to him. In each life, he had the advantage. I was either too wounded to do anything about it, or he had positioned himself to have the upper hand long before I had entered the scene. In this life, the soldiers always protected him from me. I had done something unpredictable and had a chance. I slipped my hand in his pocket and pulled out his knife. I nicked him with it. He bled. The Viet Cong descended on me before I could do anything else. 
He looked at the wound with shock and then back to me. He didn't say anything. He stabbed me in the eye socket. However, 3.5401 was a victory. Now I knew Stabby could be harmed. All right. That was another chapter of Orion. Thank you so much for listening. And we have other great shows on the Real Paranormal Activity Network. You got our flagship show on Mondays, me on Tuesdays, Terry's on Wednesdays, and uh, Sandman's all by on Thursdays. And then we got all the video shows first Friday of the month. All right. Have a good night.